this month in May has been the month of service here at CW. There's been a lot of focus on it, of how our, our members have volunteered. We had this amazing banquet. If you missed it, you don't want to miss next year's. Okay, we're already, we enjoyed it so much, we're already looking. Who can we bring in for next year? What can we do? And where are we going to put all the extra volunteers because the room was packed this year and we're going to need a bigger room? And that's an awesome thing to, problem to have. This week, uh, our Nederland folks got out of school on Wednesday, and on Thursday, some of our Nederland students in the, in the youth ministry went to serve in Port Arthur, and some of our PNG students found out that they were serving, so they said, hey, I'm out of school at 10, can I come serve with you? I love that we're a church of service. I love that we can... We can move our, our service here in the, in the midst of preaching the word, in the midst of experiencing worship to going out in the streets and ministering to our community. That's what drew me to CW. And if you hear the testimony of any of our staff, that's exactly the first thing that they're going to tell you is that this church loves people and this church wants to serve our community. It's an exciting time. This year, we have a four-year vision, and this year's vision theme is service. It's how does CW serve? And we've been working on this all year, pushing this in our ministries and pushing it in so many different ways. And it's very fitting because in so many things in 2021, you as a church body have stepped up in amazing ways. We, we lacked a pastor, and so many of you filled the void of, of the everyday things, the things that Pat would do just around the campus. You've also filled the void in our ministries. Being a children's pastor, I get the honor to teach kids. And what's exciting to teach kids is I get to focus on Bible characters. Bible characters are fun. Uh, Mama, I remember I graduated from high school, and my senior gift for my mom, I was really expecting this elaborate and really nice gift, and I, 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 was, I was anticipating this, and I got a children's Bible. I didn't know what to do with the children's Bible, and on the inside of it, Mama wrote, if you're going to preach, you have to be able to know the characters, and you've got to be able to preach to the kids and the adults. And I never knew how true that would ring in my own ministry, but now I get to present Bible characters to students, to, to children, and show them sometimes for the first time they're hearing of something and to see in their eyes, and they start to ask questions, and they start to wonder, and they start to ask more questions, and you're like, oh, time out. I don't know that, but I, let's, let's go down. Let's dig into it. So today, I thought, why not? Let's look at some Bible characters. Let's look at... Uh, this idea of serving, and I got stuck. This week, I went to Laurie, and I said, okay, if you're going to describe a, a serving Bible character, who is it? And she's like, Mary, Martha. I said, yeah, that's exactly where I'm at, and most of us know Mary, Martha, and, and, and I just don't feel like that's where we need to go. And this week, I was reading, and, and it talked about this man in the Old Testament. I love the Old Testament. And it talked about this man that served God, that didn't feel he was equipped, didn't feel he was ready, but he did it anyway. He made a difference for the generations for thousands of years to come. His name was Moses. 
You say, oh, yeah, I know Moses. Moses had the staff. Moses part of the water. Moses had the Ten Commandments. Moses uh, wondered and did all these cool, amazing things. Let's go back to the beginning. If you open your Bible into the book of Exodus, we're going to, for those in here and those at home, I chose not to put the scriptures on the screen because I have some high ADD and there will be a lot of squirrels and uh, we will go from passage to passage running, but I hope by the end of it, you'll see where we're going. So if you have your Bible, if you have your phone, if you don't get with your neighbor and they'll share with you, but we're going to be in Exodus chapter two, and we're only going to cover three chapters today. So it shouldn't be that long, I promise. Uh, But in Exodus chapter two, we see this amazing thing happening in the life of Moses. He's born. (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing because of the time. The time period, if if you look at it, it says, now a man from the house of Levi, this is verse one of uh, chapter two, went and married a daughter of Levi. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was beautiful, she said she hid him for three months. That's weird. I have a beautiful son and I'm going to hide him. Well, we got to look at the time. We got to look at what's going on. And you, you see, the Pharaoh of the day was an, like many of the emperors, like many of the kings of, of the biblical times, he, he had a hardness in his heart for anything that was not his. And so he had ordered all the babies, all the babies to be killed that were uh, of, of the, uh, the Hebrew faith. And so here, Moses' mother is hiding him to protect him. And look what it says. But when she could hide him no longer, she got him in a wicker basket, covered it with tar and pitch, and she put the child into, into it and set it among the reeds at the bank of the Nile. Now, that's about all we're going to cover in chapter 2. Okay, You've got to grasp this part right here. That Moses' mom gave up her child her beautiful child, because of a decree, because of an order, and she said, I'm going to do something so this child can make a difference in life. Now, what's really happening is the, the, the now is going to be this key point to our story today. The now is a, a religious river in the, the, the Egyptian faith. In, in the myth, mythological uh, mythology of, of the Egyptians, they believe that that is a god. See, that god of the Nile is one that feeds them. It provides for them. It brings them things. It waters the ground. They're in the middle of a desert. So when the flood season comes, it's rejoicing because that Nile is providing. And so all through the life of Moses, we're going to see Today, we're going to get there, of how God is using the Nile River to impact the kingdoms. Now, check this one one passage out. Verse 5. I told you I was done with chapter 2, but I lied. I'm sorry. Uh, Verse 5. The daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe in the Nile. Now, to bathe in the Nile was this religious experience that they had. It was this this time that they were stepping out and they were going before their God. And here she is. She's bathing in the Nile. She's the daughter of Pharaoh. She knows what the decrees are. Here she is. She's got all her main main hands with her, helping her, and, and she is now swimming in the Nile River. And now all of a sudden, she sees a baby in a basket. Look what she does. 
She saw the basket among the reeds and sent the maid, and she brought it to her. When she opened it, she saw a child, and behold, the boy was crying. She had pity on him and said, I never noticed this one thing she said, and it's clear as day. This is one of the Hebrew children. So she took in this baby that she knew should have been killed, brought it into Pharaoh's house in defiance of her dad, and said, I'm going to raise this child. Now, if you skip ahead a little bit, you'll see that as Moses is getting older, he, he, he ends up killing one of the Egyptians. This angers Pharaoh, and I never understood why it angered Pharaoh. But from the, if you get the grasp here, of uh, Pharaoh did not like Moses because he was, an, he was not Egyptian, he was not of his people, not of his race, and now he's got a reason that his daughter can't protect him, and he's going to kill him. And so Moses runs. Moses flees. Moses flees for 40 years. Wait, Micah, doesn't he flee again for 40 years? Yeah. Moses' life, he, he, he spends a lot of time in the desert. He spends a lot of time in the wilderness. He's a lot of times alone, way out, without people. Now Moses, he's out in the middle of the desert, doing his thing, herding his animals for 40 years. He gets married. He's having a good life. Everything is fine. Everything's hunky-dory. It's okay. He's doing good. But somewhere in the back of his mind, he knows that his people are back in slavery and captured by the Egyptians. And it doesn't bother him enough to go back. And so as I was reading this week and as I was looking at this, I started to wonder, what would it be like to be Moses? Here I am, I'm, I'm doing, I'm protected, I'm safe, because there is a Pharaoh, there is a king that wants to kill me way over here, so I'm going to be safe over here. I find sometimes in my own life, safe is good. But I also find that sometimes God's calling me to step out of my safe, my comfort, my, my, my everyday mundaneness. To move into new ministries that God is ready to equip us for. That's the life I'm on. I never thought I'd do anything else. I never, I always thought, when we're, we're, we're going to be pastors, youth pastor, this is it. This is the dream. I was content. I was happy. I was living it. And then God said, hey, it was good for a season. And now it's a new day, a new season, a new turn. And what's amazing is that now I'm seeing God work in, in my wife's life, in my life, to, to minister to people throughout our community that are hurting, that are needing help. Uh, the phone calls I get now of, hey, can I just talk? Because they know that that's what we do. We have a listening ear now. And, and it's, it's so amazing how God is using that to help his kingdom. I wonder what would it have been like and if, you go to, if you look at the, uh, chapter 3. Chapter 3 deals with the burning bush. And I always wondered about this. Like, okay, here's Moses in the middle of the desert, and from afar, you see a fire. And you know what you do when you're driving, okay? Uh, you're driving around, you see the fire truck, you're like, okay, where's the smoke? 
Where, where's that fire? I want to see it. I want to know what it is. Uh, poor Eric and his family, when, when we were driving to his house to see their house as it's on fire, we're like, okay, we don't see smoke. That's a good sign. We don't see smoke coming up from where we're at. That's good. It means it's, it's being taken care of. But here's Moses walking in the desert. And I wonder, has he ever seen fire to a bush? I think he may have, because his comments here are, huh, that bush over there is burning. But it ain't burning. It's just burning. It's not being burned up, you see? It's just burning. I wonder what that is. I better go a little bit closer. Now, me, I'm probably not. I'm probably safe in my comfort zone over here saying, that bush can burn. I ain't going over there. It's so cool as he gets close as he starts to see the bush, as he gets right by the bush, here you've got this this moment that God is like Moses. Now, wonder how Moses would have reacted. How would I have reacted if I would have heard an audible version of God right there in the midst of the burning bush? I mean, if you walk out to your car and your car is on fire and then all of a sudden your car starts to talk to you, I'm wondering what I ate and what it did to me because that's just weird. And here Moses is in the middle of the desert. Is this really happening? Am I dreaming this? But it was Moses being called. It was Moses being called out of his comfort, out of his safety. Look at verse, verse 1. Uh, uh, so he comes to, he, he's led a flock to the west of the mountains. Okay, so go down. Then in verse 2, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a burning bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight while the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw, he turned aside to look. God called him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Here I am. I think in that very moment, Moses knew exactly what God was doing. I think in that very moment, Moses knew that God was fixing to do a miraculous sign within his life. Now, just a little background here. It had been 400 years since God had spoken to his people. 400 years they were in captivity. They were slaves. They were pushed out of their land. And they're wondering, where is God? In the midst of my hurt, in the midst of my pain, in the midst of my suffering said that this year. In the midst of losing my uncle to COVID, who was not an uncle to me, he was my second daddy. I said, God, why? There's not a night my family goes to bed right now without Callie just crying her eyes out because she misses her boy boy so much. And we say, God, why? But in the grand scheme of things, we know that God's plan is great. And God is working miraculous ways to impact his kingdom. And so I say, God, here I am. Use me. Use me through the COVID. Use me through the pandemic. Use me through the children's ministry. Use me, God, wherever you'll have me. Use me. You see, in, in, in Moses here is being called. He's being called to a service. So if you go down to verse 7, it, it, the Lord said, Surely 
I have seen surely that uh, these. I have surely seen the affection of my people who are in Egypt and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters. So we know that in the midst of the crying, God was hearing, but God's timing is different than our timing. God's saying to some of us, stop, wait, I have a plan, I have a journey for you, and you've got to go when I say go. But be ready, because I'm going to tell you to go, and I want you to go. And I think that's the idea here, that through Moses, he's saying, give me time, and and I've now heard my people, and I'm going to send someone to help. And I'm wondering, like, Moses is like, okay, cool. Who do you want me to get to go down there? Because I'm comfortable right here. Verse 8, so I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to a place of the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Amorite and all these other ites. Now, behold, the city of the sons of Israel have come to me. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression which the Egyptians are opposing them. Now, so we got this grasp or we got this idea of what's happening. Okay, now Moses, we've seen these miraculous things that, sh- that happened through his life. Already he should have died at least twice that we know of, and we don't know how many times God protected him from the animals, everything else, and in in, in, in starvation and water and all those other things to get him to this point. But now we have this guy, this, this guy that God is choosing to use. So now that we know this, let's look at that... that uh, Chapter 4. Let's look at chapter 4. There's three things, and we're done. My three things are Moses is given power, Moses rejects power, and Moses walks with power. Now, if we can remember these things, and we're going to talk about them just a little bit, but Moses is given power. And so if you look at Exodus chapter 4, verse 1, it says, "What, What if they will not believe me or listen to me for what I... Listen to what I say, for they may say, the Lord has not appeared to you. You remember, it's been 400 years, okay? 400 years. If you told me God um, told you this, then I go back to this passage here, and I'm like, okay, how did God tell you? Why did God tell you? What's God doing? So look at this, and and this is the Lord's response. So Yahweh says, the Lord has, uh, I'm sorry, the Lord said to him, it, what is in your hand? And he says, it's a staff. What does this have to do with anything? So the staff could have been one of two staffs. Uh, they've got one that's just a long pole, and they've got one that we see that at every major scene, it's the, the candy cane, you know, the crooked staff. And what's so cool is we were in 2011, Laurie and I were eating at a restaurant in somewhere in Israel, and... I'm facing a window, and all of a sudden, there's a herd of sheep just coming. And I'm like, whoa, that's cool. Because you just start to think when you're over there, you're like, I bet that was what it looked like when Jesus was walking. And then there's this man who probably hadn't had a bath in six years. And he's coming through, filthy, dirty. His hair is not as cool as mine, but his hair had some mud and everything in it. And here he comes, walking with his staff. I'm like, that's awesome, God. I wanted to see a shepherd 
tending to his sheep with a staff in your land. And so it gives me a visual every time I read in the Bible and I see the staff, I'm like, dude, God, thank you. That's awesome. All right, side note there. Come on. Here we go. So in verse 3, he says, throw it on the ground, and he threw it on the ground. Okay, so if you give me a stick and I throw it on the ground, okay, good. Who cares? So what? But look what happens when he throws it on the ground. It becomes a serpent. And not just a serpent because it's, it's one that he, he, it says in the Bible, he recoiled back. And, and this would have been more of a cobra. Now, what's the significance? Why do we think it's a cobra? Because the significance of the cobra is what Pharaoh wore on his head was a cobra. It was the symbol of power. Now, there are three things in, the, in Exodus chapter 4 that God's going to do, and all three things show God's power over Egypt. So he throws it on the ground, and here's the symbol of the Pharaoh, the one who's in control. Okay, and so this is what he says. Moses fled from it. Verse 4, but the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand and grasp it by the tail. No. <laughs> I ain't doing it. Not going to have it. Not up here, not anytime soon. you got to be crazy. I don't even like going to the pet store looking at them through the glass. Because you know that glass. They, no, not going to, no. Give you the heebie-jeebies. I'll tell you what. He stretched out his hand. He grabs that thing by the tail. And I'm wondering if when he grabbed it, if he's like, okay, <laughs> I'm trusting you. <laughs> you know, you, you, I would have gotten another stick or something to pick. I don't know. Moses grabs it and it turns back to a staff. And God says, I want you to go to the Hebrew people and I want you to tell them that I've sent you. And to show them this, to prove to them that you're for real and I'm in control. So he throws it down, he picks it up. All right, so that's the first one. <clears throat> I like what happens real quick here. I like what happens in, in, in verse one there. Go, go back up. I, I, I can't pass this up. I, I, I skipped over it, but if I pass it up, you're going to miss this. And you can't miss this. The first thing Moses said is, what if? I've said that a few times in my own life. What if, God, I don't do this because I don't want to do this? What if, God, this fails and we crash and burn? Can you imagine that 11 years ago, I guarantee you that was, a, that was an idea that in Pat's head as he drives around town and he's like, wait, God, time out. I've got a good ministry. I'm running good. And you want me to do what? You want me to step out and start a church? What if, God? What if my family can't be fed? What if, God, uh, the people don't come? What if, God, this doesn't happen? In December, I said it. I came to work here because of Pat, because I loved the man. I've known him forever. Uh, he was a mentor of mine in, in youth ministry. And we were very content with leaving ministry to do a new ministry. And, and that day, Pat calls me, and Laurie and I are driving, and Pat said, hey, can you come in real quick? I just want to talk to you. And Laurie's with me. I didn't tell Pat Laurie was with me. And, and 
I'm glad that, that Laurie came. And Laurie and I and Pat sat in the office and Pat said, look, Matt's leaving. And we really think that you should come on and be our children's pastor. It will help you out. Uh, it'll be a good part-time job for you. You go to school. And in my mind, I'm sitting in this meeting and say, you crazy. Kids? Ministry? No. That woman right there, the hot one. There you go. The hot one girl. I love you. She hates it when I do that. Now, she, she is quiet through this whole meeting. And I'm just waiting. We walk out to the car. We get in the car. And I didn't say anything. She goes, what do you think? I think you should do it. That would be fun. I was like, whoa, who are you? This is crazy. What if? How can we? And on faith, we step out and do things. CW for four, almost four years now has been a great place for my family. And we've answered a lot of what ifs. I like that we're coming back together as a church. It's not that we were apart for our own doing because COVID was a nasty part of our lives that I think we'll use forever on our ministries. But we're blessed now. We've got a new pastor. We've got some amazing ministry opportunities here at CW. If you're trying to figure out where to serve, we've made this cool little place that you can go find everything. It's on our website. It's carpentersway.com slash outpost. And you can go on the outpost. You get it, outpost. We have two outposts there. And you can go and you can see ministry opportunities for you to answer some of those what ifs. Did you know that you can go and serve by changing diapers or putting a movie on for our preschool kids? It's a huge ministry. They're teaching things to those kids they've never seen. And it's amazing. Amber's doing a, a, an amazing job with our, our kids, watching them and helping them. Our, our, our CK Kids program, our first through fifth graders, I'm, I'm loving working with them. It's so neat to, to be able to share the stories with them. We have this motto of no, grow, go. And we want them to know who God is. We want them to know the scriptures and to develop just the basics. We want them to grow as little plants, as little Christians, that they're understanding what God is calling them. We're teaching them about missions. We're showing the mission videos so they'll get a grasp on it. Our kids are learning the books of the Bible because I was at summer camp with them and they're flipping through their Bibles like, where in the world is this? Now we've got students who are memorizing all 66 books. Well, what's the big deal? It's because I want them to know where the books are at. I want them to know the scriptures. We're bribing them with a candy bar if they learn their memory verse, but you know what? They're learning the Bible. They're growing. And you know what's really cool? They're going. We're seeing students invite students who are in first, second, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade to come. It's so cool on a Wednesday night whenever someone is bringing their friend to church and they stand by the door and they'll say, hey, my friend's coming tonight. I'm waiting on them to walk them in. That's the, that, I want to be a part of that. Come in here on a Wednesday night and see our youth ministry. We've got games everywhere. 
They're playing. They're hanging out. We've got adults playing table tennis, outside playing gaga ball, uh, board games, video games. And then the cool thing is, is when it starts, when the service starts, they put all that away. And these adults start to serve our students. And they're teaching the Word of God. They have small groups where men will gather with four or five students and, and love on them, meet with them. Women will gather with four or five young ladies and show them what it means to be a godly woman of virtue. And then we've got men's and women's ministries that you can serve in. We've got things of, 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 of community groups, but there's no lack of, of, of service here. I don't know if you know it, but we are now a worldwide church COVID has really pushed us to new heights and new beginnings. You can, you can work a soundboard. You can work a camera. The camera operator, hey, you don't have to be very skilled. you got to be able to go, ooh. You can serve. You can minister. Jason can use you. It's an exciting time. Don't let the what-ifs get to you if you're ser- from serving here. Be willing to drop your staff and allow God to show you the power of what he's doing within the walls and beyond because of this place. All right, real quick. Verse 6. The Lord furthermore said, now put your hand into your bosom. So he put his hand into his bosom right here. And when he pulled it out, it was leprous like snow. So it would have been this major disease that whenever you would have had it, your skin would have turned white, white, and ain't nobody touching you. And so this is the second sign. This is the second test. This is the second idea that he is receiving power. And the third one, I think the third one's the coolest. And it's whenever he touches the Nile and he says, God tells him, go touch the Nile. This is in verse 9. He says, touch the Nile and, and the Nile will be turned to blood. Remember, that's the God, that's the lifeblood of the city, of the Egyptians here. And so he's turning the, the Nile into blood and he's showing the Hebrew people that everything that, that the Egyptians hold dear God is in control of. Now, Moses rejects that power. And guys, we do that. I've told you numerous times today how I've done it in my own life. That I reject God at times and say, God, your plan is good, but I've got this plan, God, and I'm heading over here. And God's like, wait, 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 I'm over here. exciting when we can see God start to move in ways within our lives when we start to listen. In, in, in verse 10, he says, Please, Lord, I, I am not eloquent, neither uh, recently nor in the past, nor since you have spoken to your servant, for I'm slow to speech, speech and slow of tongue. We believe that maybe he had a speech impediment. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he just was like, I'm, I don't want to deal with this, God. I, you want me to go talk to people, but that's not me. I'll go make the coffee. I'll go sweep the floor. And those are great things. But God, I'm not going out there. I'm not teaching kids. I'm not going to go over there and do this. God is like, wait, I will prepare you. I will equip you to do what I've called you to do.
God gets angry. God gets angry at him because he's like, son, it's like a daddy before the kid. And like, I, trust me. Trust me. It's going to be okay. I'm going to walk with you. Two weeks ago, we went to a water park with the girls, and they were so scared to do the, 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 the slides. And I'm like, girls, you're going to love it. Just do it once. And it took them two days. And then they finally did it, and then they wanted to go on it more and more. And I'm like, well, it's time to go home now. If you would have trusted me yesterday, we could have had more fun. I'm like, Come on, just stop. And here's God saying to Moses, don't reject the power. Don't reject the calling that I've put on you. Now, finally, Moses walks with the power. And I think this is important for us if, if, we, if we grasp this concept that he walks with the power. And we're going to see some things in this passage real quick, and then we'll be done. We'll close out. In verse 18, uh, he, he walks with the power. And in verse 18, he's gaining permission. He's gaining permission that he can leave his family. His, so he goes to Jethro, his father-in-law, and asks, God's calling me to do this. What do you think? And I really am thinking that Moses is kind of like, Jethro, you tell me to stay, and I get to stay. And he's like, oh, blessings. God be with you. And he's like, okay, thanks. So he gathers his family up, and he starts to walk. Sometimes uh, I, I read this passage, and I think of the Dizzlingers. Uh, I think of them as, as God called them to a camp ministry. It was, okay, God, I'm willing to accept it. Now, where are you going to build it? Because I like to stay right here in, in groves. I like to stay right. No. They packed their stuff up. They moved their family to Arkansas to do ministry, to impact the kingdom up there. So sometimes God's moving us. You may have a great community group right here, but God's telling you, hey, you need to go to children's ministry. You need to go to preschool on Wednesday nights. You need to go do this because these people need it. And it's a change. It's something hard for us to do. But God is equipping us for the job we're called for. And finally, in verse 21, he talks about how, how God is going to open the Hebrews' hearts to hear and to understand that, that God is using Moses, but he's going to harden the Egyptians' hearts because he's got to show them who he is because they can't just trust him. And so yet Moses still, he, he takes this and he walks in faith. love looking at Moses. As a man, I love looking at him to, to see this, 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 this individual that God used to impact the kingdom, that, that used to write the first five of our books, that, to, to use to, to minister to his people in amazing ways. But then you see him do just like, oh, no, don't do that. You know, he strikes the rock against just to bring the water. You know, he's doing things out of his, his, his flesh and not from God. I'm like, oh, is that not us? This is truly an example of who we are in Christ that God calls us. We act on our own. God calls us. We act on our own. And it's back and forth, back and forth. But God is using us to impact things. So today I ask you, what is God calling you to? 
what are you what are you doing for the kingdom we all don't have a burning bush to show us the way, to show us the light. But we do have a God that loves us and wants to move mountains if we'll allow Him. I close with this. My, my, my goal for this, this year, as I was looking at our, student ministry, or our children's ministry, I started to see that a lot of our students have not come to a faith in Jesus Christ. And so this year we have a goal and we're, we're, we're moving on our way. In August, we're, we're planning on a massive baptism service. We have a goal of 10 students coming to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And that's not just for a number, but that's for 10 souls. 10 of these students that have been coming here for 10, 11 years, and they've been hearing the gospel. And I can see it that they're ready to step out on faith. What if you answered the call to serve? What if you answered the call to join us at CW and make an impact for the kingdom of God? It's an amazing adventure. And you know what? Your Bible can light things on fire for who God is. It can be our burning bush to change our community, to change our state, our nation, and our world. we got some great things going on right here, uh, some new things that are happening. We, we've got an interim youth pastor now, students. I'm excited. we got Matt Moe coming in to help us. we got an uh, intern for the summer. Uh, Samantha Garza is coming in again to help us in our children's ministry and our, our youth ministry. Uh, we've got uh, Evans coming in to help us with some of the media stuff to learn it this summer. We've, this place is happening. I can't wait to see you're going to serve along with us to change the world. Let's pray. Well, Father, we thank you today. I thank you for a man like Moses who seems to think so much like I do. Where we question the call, we question what we're doing, we think we're inadequate, but God, may we trust in you in the midst of our, our, our selfish ambitions, in the midst of our uh, our unskilled labor. And God, may you impact kingdoms through your word today. Father, I pray as we go that we'll serve you this week. And that we'll make an impact for the kingdom. Shame we pray. Amen.